0: What a Woman. Conversations with powerful women who share powerful stories. This podcast was created by me, your host, Caroline Lyons, and my friend and producer, Sarah Benner, two mums searching for inspiration. And we hope you'll be inspired too. Our guest today is Katrina O'Sullivan.
1: So I think, you know, all the baby steps add up. And before you know it, like, you know, one little step. And if you get positive feedback from it, leads on to the next step. So probably the advice I'd give people is, is try and quieten the negative voice in your head. Because there will be nobody as harsh on you as that voice in your own head telling you. At the time, as I said, the voice in my head was, what are you doing this now? People will ask your age and they'll say, what in the name of God are you doing this for at your age? Age has been no barrier to me at all. No one asked that question.
0: Katrina O'Sullivan is a singer-songwriter from Chile who's had number one hits on the Irish country music charts, including her original song, Don't Say Goodbye, and her original duet co-written and performed with Johnny Brady called This Country Girl. She's also just finished her 19th year as a resident judge on TG4's hit country music show, Laura Tira, and for her work on this show and her contribution to Irish country music she is being honoured at the Hot Country Music Awards in April. We're also very excited to announce that Katrina is releasing a new single with singer-songwriter Sina Thiel which is their own version of The Fields of Atham Rai and can be downloaded on iTunes from midnight on Saturday the 11th of March. Katrina is also working on an upcoming TV music project Stateside, and details of this will be revealed very soon. Stay tuned to the end of this episode, when Katrina treats us to an amazing live performance of part of Aretha Franklin's You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Welcome to the podcast, Katrina O'Sullivan. Thanks for having me, Caroline. (laughs) And we also have with us Sarah Benner here, who's um, working with me on this podcast, where we really want to focus on inspirational stories from women who are working hard to achieve their dreams and goals, and we really want to get into what what it takes to do that. Um, So, Katrina, you are a singer-songwriter.
1: That's right. From
0: Chile. And looking at your story i think going back music's always been a big part of your life so take us back to those early days to your childhood and when music became really important to you i suppose
1: as a child you're quite unconscious of yourself and unaware of yourself especially i think in my generation you know maybe um there weren't as many stage schools i was living out in the country i was going to a little village school so i suppose for me and i grew up in a bar actually out in the airport in far Four, which was a, a funny place to grow up to you were running the length and breadth of the airport and there was a piano so I remember customers would come in to me when I was a teenager and we bought my family bought a bar here in Chile and say I was always up banging the piano you know wrecking their peaceful pints Um, and then when we were when I was out in our house in the middle of the countryside uh, my grandmother had an accordion and I'd I'd sort of go at that you know and I was always drawn to instruments and we played to whistle in school that was I suppose the first instrument I ever learned to play and I was fairly good at that but you're not aware of yourself you know and I think in those days you know people didn't maybe verbalize things as much you know you, you just did what you did naturally whether that was kicking a ball or playing it to whistle um so it wasn't until I was 10 um my mother heard me singing this Nancy Griffith song she was a big Nancy Griffith fan and she always had the tape on in the car and there was a song called From a Distance and I learned that song just again myself at home and mum overheard me and thought god you know you actually sing that quite nicely and then I sang it for my teacher and there was a little event on um with two or three hundred people from the parish, say, in Far and Four and faries, um, to celebrate the one hundred centenary of this little village school. But it was, you know, a relatively big event for a country place. Um, the car park was full and we were up on the side of a truck and I went up and sang the song and it just got this really strong reaction. Um, and that was the first moment I realised I could sing. I didn't know I could sing before that event, say, at 10. Um, and that surprised me. And again, you're a child, so you don't really think too deeply about it, but... I remember the teacher at the time then said to my parents, well, if you're moving into Trillie, maybe you should look into getting her singing lessons and piano lessons. So then I suppose, you know, when I had the luxury in a way of going to a singing teacher and going to a piano teacher through their feedback, I realized that I had an aptitude for singing and for playing piano. And then because my parents had a bar and, and they had a piano in the bar. Uh, I think in the early days, there might have been one or two customers giving out about me playing when I wasn't maybe not so good. But as I improved, um, again, you'd get verbal feedback from the customers if what songs they enjoyed or if they enjoyed your singing. So step by step, I suppose that builds your confidence. And I certainly always loved it, really, from from that first time singing at 10, you get an adrenaline rush. It's like a little bit of a drug, I suppose, when you perform and it goes well
0: take us back to that moment was it the feeling of is it the sing the feeling of actually the singing or is it actually feeling the eyes
1: on you the the, the singing itself is like a catharsis as well because you know now I was only 10 at the time but whatever kind of emotion you have inside you the letting it out through singing that's a big catharsis but then when other people connect with that and it's a very personal thing um, that's a really lovely feeling Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes when there was customers in my dad's bar and didn't matter where they were from they could be tourists from France or America they could be local people and if they came up after you sang a song and started talking about how much they enjoyed it or that it you know evoked an emotional reaction in them that's where I found a buzz if they felt I felt this or I felt that um, if it's a song you sang or if it was a song you wrote and they felt really strongly about it it was a lovely kind of bonding Mm -hmm. um, thing and so I found like there was a catharsis in me singing myself, but then it's like a way of bonding with people. And I suppose we all like bonding with people and Mm. connecting with people. Mm. And that was the loveliest thing I found about it, is that there could be people sitting there and you would not have connected with those people or probably had any conversation only for the fact you're up singing a song and then you get chatting about music and it just breaks down the barriers and irrespective of where people are from, it kind of bonds you with them, you know, and connects you with them. And that's what I love about it. and That's what I still love about it uh, is that, I suppose I'm a sociable enough person, but um, it connects you with other people. And there's something personal then about when people start opening up about their emotions and it gets you talking about that side of things that you wouldn't otherwise.
2: When did you realize that you wanted to make music a career?
1: It's a funny one actually. I was always kind of a, certainly from the age of 12 or 13, I was pretty obsessed with it. And again, I I didn't really, I I suppose I, I knew I loved singing and I did want to sing. Um, But I remember another kind of pivotal moment at 17 and filling out the CAO. And because music wasn't offered as an academic subject in our school, um, it never occurred to me to do it academically in college. And I remember saying to my mother, oh, sure, I don't want to go to any college. I just want to sing, you know, Mm. and I laugh where, where, you know, a lot of my students, my music students come to me now with the same dilemma. Mm. And I remember feeling, oh, my God, like that, you know, four years to do a degree is going to be an eternity. but sure, I'm glad that she did make me do it because I suppose academics were something I was strong at as well. And certainly knowing what I know now, you know, three and four years is not a long time just to get your degree done and have some little bit of um, security behind you if you're interested in the academic side of life. I mean, if you're not into academics, well, then fair enough. You know, if it's not for you, then it's no skin off your nose to go straight mm-hmm. for the singing. But I suppose if you do have a facility for it, it's a nice thing to have under your belt because you know the music business is not the most secure thing at all in the world but just because I was so passionate about it initially I was saying oh I I just want to sing and anything else is just going to delay me and hold me back but I'm glad that you did advise me to go and do the degree side by side with that then I was studying Irish as well and studying vocal training with Veronica Dunn who gave me a very rigorous grueling training um she's a fabulous woman she'd be living with her for a couple of weeks too but you really got put through your paces and that gives you confidence too because um it was also great preparation for singing in the studio because she might get you to sing one line for an hour. Oh. So when people would say, do you mind singing something a good few times over in the studio? That's water off a duck's back to me because mm. with the opera training, you might spend an hour on one line. So it was pretty intense, but it was great preparation, mm. great training. Now, you're on a big journey with music because then when I stepped away from the opera training, you kind of had to find your own voice again. And I suppose in my heart to hearts, it was more in songwriting and write, you know, singing in your own style. Singing my own songs is where my heart was not so much singing opera. I still sing opera for maybe wedding ceremonies and things like that and I, and I do love it but I knew I wasn't going to go into opera singing full time. I knew it was the songwriting was where my first love was. When did you write your first song? Can you at, remember? At 17. I did the first demo uh, in Chile when I was 17 uh, with a local musician and again you know he was encouraging. I mean when I look back on it now it would have been crude enough but those words of encouragement from people are very important. Um, so I started there and then you, I think you get better at it then just through, through practice. And, um, you know, through what I learned in college, I suppose, with chords and arranging songs and studying other people who wrote good songs and working, then collaborating with different musicians, doing demos. And I would have done several demos, um, and like literally, I suppose I was always pretty obsessed with it. I suppose every, every penny I had then went into saving up to do demos because mm. in those days it cost a good few thousand. Wow. Uh, recording studios were really expensive. Like nowadays, people can buy equipment and do it in their bedrooms. Um, they can do most things in, at home in their bedrooms aside of the drums where you need a bit of space for that. Mm. Uh, but in those days, you had to pay by the hour for studio time um and it was really expensive you were so living in dublin at the i was living in dublin and my sister laughed she said you know my mum used to come up but uh and be traumatized because i would hold in my socks because whatever money i had went on recording not buying clothes you know you'd have your couple of items you'd wear in a night out but i could go walk around the place wearing any old thing to a certain point and apparently she was traumatized <laughs> and holding my socks but that's because i was putting all my money into music oh you know like i that's i was just obsessed with that um and that was the priority for me so uh my sisters would have laughed at me i think i was going around with shrunken tracksuit bottoms around truly, and they said you know you're, you're letting the family down there you have to show away those tracksuit bottoms <laughs> but you know they, like i i it's funny because i would spruce myself up no end if there was a gig on yeah. you know because to make yourself presentable for your audience but going around the place day to day then you know that just wasn't my focus You, know, my focus was the next demo writing the next song making it as good as possible Uh,
2: You you got a break, didn't you, in your 20s? I did.
1: The Irish language actually was what gave me my break because um, I suppose because it's sort of a niche thing, it helped me get on a music show on TG Carher and there was a record company at it um, called Rosette Records and I had a particular song, I suppose, kind of a pop ballad called I'll Be There that I'd written about my dad after he lost his brother in a fire and it was about someone going through, I suppose people found it touching, It, it was about someone who'd gone through a lot of different difficult life experiences, but still was trying to, you know, was a strong person and a positive person and that I admired that. And that was the sentiment of the song. And um, it was a special enough song, I suppose. They kept telling me to try and write another song like it for years. And that was annoying because you can't rewrite <laughs> the same song. <laughs> but um, that was kind of our first hit off the album, if you like. Then when we did do an album together with Rosette Records called Fallen Angel. And looking back, I was very lucky because I suppose my boyfriend at the time Had a lot of friends who were musicians and I possibly you know took for not took for granted I I was very hungry to get a record deal but I suppose he kind of pointed out to me that a lot of his friends who were musicians you know wouldn't have got that break or had to continue paying for everything themselves especially in those days like nowadays it's far more doable to do Mm. things more cheaply but back then it cost everything cost thousands doing the video cost thousands recording time cost thousands musicians you know it was Celtic Tiger times you know charged a lot whereas when you actually become established and people want to work with you they won't charge you through the nose But mm. when you're a young one starting out you'll be charged the rate and that's it you know that sort of way
2: it must have been an exciting time in your 20s to be
1: it really was getting a
2: record deal i mean that was huge
1: it really was and we almost got taken on by a uk label but i remember we went over to london to do an audition in this mansion of a place and the man from sony that was there said oh you know I'm, he heard me singing live with the band. We flew over the band and everything, and he said, "You know, I'm, we're going to sign you, and like you'd be thrilled." Wow. And but then it transpired that he was the marketing manager, not the A and R manager. The A and R manager, the actual talent scouts, and it's there, there. It's with them lies the duty to sign you. So I didn't realize when I met him that. That he was going to have to get permission from someone else to sign me, if you know what I mean. I took that as gospel that he is signing me, because mm-hmm. that's what he said. So you know, you learn your little lessons along the way. Like then you were devastated because that didn't happen, and then I remember my manager saying, "Well, I'm you know I'm after putting whatever fifteen thousand into you now, so we'll do this TG Carrig gig, but if that doesn't work out, to be honest, we'd probably have to call it a day." So then I remember crying to my boyfriend at the time, going, "You know, I simply can't face you know doing." something that's not music going forward like this is all I've ever wanted to do and I I was very single-minded and in some ways when you're young you're very tunnel-visioned because I suppose you only have yourself to worry about and Mm. um you know I I just was didn't feel enthusiastic about the prospect of doing anything else other than that um but happily then we did get the deal so I suppose it's that element of manifesting like I, I did want it bad um, and, and
0: you have to really in that in this yeah, business to Yeah. Oh I was to, dev- I remember
1: crying to my boyfriend him going, Jeepers, will you relax? Like, you know, you, you know, at least you have other options. But that's I felt very passionate about it. Um, so I was thrilled with them when that did happen. And looking back, like I was very lucky, you know, the amount of money that company spent doing a really good quality recording for me. Of course there's things I would have done differently too. Reflecting back, I think I had too many styles of music on the album. People then didn't quite know how to market me because you know I, I suppose I've learned since that people like to know what niche you're in and I still have a touch of that I love singing different styles of music sometimes if you have too many styles on the one album they're kind of going well what are you you know what style are you then they like to say oh you know you're the next Whitney Houston or you're the next Mary Black or you're the next you know they, yeah. they like to know what yeah. genre you fit into what box you fit into but I was very proud of the individual songs it's mm-hmm. just how they sat together if you get me on the one recording uh, you know you'd need to put a bit of thought into mm-hmm. that but um But it was great to record them to such a good standard. Again, there was lots of ups and downs then. You know, I was certainly on a high making the music, loved that and got to work with fantastic people. The business side is a roller coaster uh, because, you know, sometimes you'd get good and bad news all in the one day. So you might get a phone call to say, well, we've great news. You're the third most played song on 2FM this month. Um, You know, I I remember Ray Charles and Nora Jones with a duet and... So I was, you know, it was the second or the third, said that this particular month of March, but then the record company said, no, they won't make you a music video. And we went to England and met a top PR company and the head of is it BBC Radio 2 uh, loved the song, I'll be there. And we were kind of another, another pivotal moment where we'd put out the songs in Ireland. They charted and I did a few gigs around the place, but I kind of knew I needed to maybe go to England to make money. It's very hard to make money out of Ireland. And my company's attitude was, well, when she gets on the A-list, the A you'd an A, B and a C playlist on this radio, on on BBC Radio 2, and their attitude was, well, when she makes the A-list, then we make the video. Now, to give you an insight, Gwen Stefani at the time was on the C-list with that song Cool, and Craig David was on the C-list, and then it was Paul McCartney was on the A-list, and because there was a random busker called Madeleine Peru (laughs) who had got on the A-list, and they thought, well, she got on, so you can get on. I was kind of going, well, that might have happened randomly from her, but... It's unlikely an unknown girl from Kerry is going to sail on to the A-list, like, did from you music.
2: you your dream was kind of slipping?
1: I did. I was, if I'm honest, probably for... It took me a couple of years to get over it, really, mm. if I look back. I mean, I mightn't have been conscious of that at the time. But I was a bit traumatised, yeah, because, like, you know, that is that was my passion. It, that bit didn't go my way. I suppose, yeah, my confidence did take a knock. Because when you're young, you're just tunnel-visioned. You're going to make this happen. Got the record deal, made the album very determined and then when you're disappointed like when I read a lot of other artists stories they might have been more resilient maybe than I was in a way I think I took it to heart a lot and I, I probably I was probably a little bit depressed I mean I was always very keenly aware I had to make money because you simply I couldn't live in Dublin anyway if I didn't have the money Um, and my partner at the time was in the music business and you know his money would be up and down because that's the way music is you've loads of gigs and then you've no gigs or then you've only a few gigs, and. So the way things went at the time, when I was around 29, I went back and did the H-dip because I felt I needed some security. I was offered a job and in, an internship in RT radio. I'd love to have done it. But as the guy who offered it said to me, he was the head of radio at the time. He kind of said you could be there for six weeks or you could be there for six months or mm. six years. You know, I c- can't guarantee you anything. And again, I, d- I do think maybe if my family were from Dublin, if I would somewhere to live in Dublin, I would have jumped on it but i just didn't i just didn't feel i had that luxury you know um i had to that was earn money busy, wasn't it? it was i'd love to have done it but i just didn't feel i just felt like i have to earn a living i have to pay the rent and i don't want to be going to carry with my tail between my legs that i can't do that mm. you know um so do you,
0: do you think if if you could have you ever thought, if you could turn back the clock back to that moment and perhaps you label had provided the video and things might have yeah. worked out differently would you, would you like to go would you would you turn back the clock
1: and would you? It was beyond my control. Now, I remember, um, I, going back to that moment, I suppose, I remember someone had offered, in hindsight, someone had offered to do a video for me for free. Now, I did wonder, were there strings attached to it? Uh, <laughs> you, well,
0: especially in those days, you probably would have had to, You know probably might have
1: been. Well, I don't know, you know. I remember there was a guy that fancied me that offered to make a video who made, used to make music videos mm. for bands, but I wasn't comfortable doing the video because I knew he fancied me. Now a more ruthless person might just have gone and made the video, but I wasn't comfortable doing that. Yeah. I'd never compromised myself, but I was very black and white that way, where I suppose it was very, it was, I was very black and white where, so in my mind, in my mind if there was any danger at all of there being strings attached, I just wouldn't go there. And I'd sooner give up on my dream uh, but there's other people that would sell their granny like to yeah. sing and to do the music you know have met plenty of them
0: well I was gonna say, it comes across are. obviously you've got great integrity but you've always had this sense of wanting to be able to support yourself and pay at that maybe that at times might have held you back from just you know throwing caution to the wind yeah yeah do you ever wish that perhaps you had have been able to sort of part of me wishes free, I was
1: in a way part of me wishes I suppose that I was a bit more I wouldn't say ruthless but um, I wouldn't like to be ruthless and look I'd be an entirely different person if that's the way I was but a bit more I don't know I was quite soft you know as a person and when I look back now I do think everything happens for a reason in some ways I'm I'm far more better placed and more grounded now to cope with music say than I was then when I look back on it I was a very soft person and there's a lot of things in the business side and I suppose interpersonally that I probably would have found harder to felt bad easily about things or as opposed to sticking to your guns to follow what you want to do yourself. But we are who we are at any given moment in time. And I think I did the best I could with the kind of person I was then, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to have all things because you need to be one sort of a person to write music and to be sensitive and to be emotional. And then you have to be an entirely different person for, to deal with the business side. Yeah. It's really difficult to to have these split personalities yeah. inside you but to also, deal with them all.
0: But in a way, it's, you know, you are being quite hard on yourself because I think most when you're young coming up, you are impressionable and not necessarily soft, but you just mm. you just don't know. You know, you're not, you know, we're all more naive, at, you know, when we're yeah. younger and coming yeah. I and mean, coming into a pretty ruthless industry yeah and if you don't get the right guidance and support your things can easily go yeah can't
1: they I think you know you just do the best you can at the time with the way you are and what you have you know looking back you know yes I might wish looking back had you know that I would have been a bit tougher or and possibly maybe a bit more resilient that I didn't get so down about it you know and just kind of drive on in a way but then it was hard at the time because you you know I did have a very keen sense of financial survival as well and I certainly didn't feel happy about being down to my last you know couple Mm. of euro uh, when the record company advance ran out I didn't like that Mm. feeling at all and I can't stand being reliant on other people Mm. you know again there's other musicians I know where they'd be quite happy to live on someone's couch or bunk in with a friend but I'd have an abhorrence Mm. of how do I say using is I would say using it anybody or you know what I mean Mm -hmm. preying upon anyone else's generosity. So. I would hate that and I'm very independent. So I you just, you are the way you are and you just do the best you can at the mm. time.
0: How much pressure do you think female performers and artists feel to look a certain way to be successful? There's definitely a pressure there
1: without a doubt. Um, you know, I was saying to you earlier, like, you know, I would always just have dressed how I felt comfortable and it was all, I would certainly have presented myself as nicely as I could going to a gig because I feel like you owe your audience the respect if they're going to pay money to come and see you the least you can do is brush your hair and (laughs) you know present yourself as best Mm -hmm. you can and put on a bit of makeup and things but um uh, you know I would never have felt comfortable you know wearing um terribly skimpy clothes I mean you are expressing your sensuality through some of your music and I'd wear what I feel comfortable in you know what I mean but um and I and back then I, I wore, you know, nice feminine clothes. But I would I remember Brittany was huge at the time and I certainly looked at her and gone, you know, you're gorgeous and you have a, you have a beautiful uh, flat tummy there and fair plate to you, showing it off in the crop tops. But that just was never me or someone else might look fantastic and wearing hot pants. Or, but that just wasn't me. I wouldn't have felt comfortable uh, with that. And I do think if you're not comfortable, it comes across. So there's just no point. Yeah. Um, I would just say to anybody, I suppose, to, to do what's natural to them and what they feel comfortable in themselves because it's it's like trying to be a person that you're not people will smell a rat anyway if you're standing there wearing clothes that you're not comfortable in you know yeah. and other people might be comfortable wearing very little and if they are and they look fantastic more power to them but if you're not comfortable there's just no point so this is as simple as that in my head um, and I would like to think I suppose it is nice to have I think some examples of female singers where where they look lovely but you know not all the emphasis is on so much on image. You know, on image or on, on wearing you know such skimpy gear that the, all the emphasis is on that I mm-hmm. just think there's it's nice when there's a bit of a balance now I do look at them and go cheaper it's fair play to you. you look so toned and you look fantastic and you look so fit and you know but then there's another part of you when you've daughters yourself and I teach as well and there it does put mm-hmm. kind of pressure on, on young ones and you kind of have to I would be aware of that. And certainly now as well, if I'm doing videos, music videos, which I've done a few in recent years, I would be conscious that, you know, if my students, now, I know I'm a teacher, so, you know, it's a funny role with being a singer. But I, I do think to myself, well, I, I have to be able to stand over this now if my students say, put on your, your music video, Miss, we'd love to see it. I don't want to be embarrassed about them watching it. Now, I know not everyone is a teacher as well as a singer, so that's not an issue maybe
0: for them. But um, Do you think it's different for you now coming... Obviously, working on albums um with more experience as you under your belt more wise a head on your shoulders yeah. that you you can really express who you want to be yeah. compared to say being when you first started out, and perhaps yeah. there is that there's, there is that pressure to yeah. to try and keep up this this image yeah well, I'm lucky
1: enough that the image but it, it never how do i say it never really got to me trying to copy anyone else now i I did work hard at exercising and eating healthy I did in my twenties. You know, I remember I used to walk everywhere, to go to the gym on top of that. And I was on numerous protein diets. I couldn't really stick that now, I don't think. I did try hard to be as fit and healthy as I possibly could because you do need that confidence to go on TV especially because TV adds, adds weight to you as well when you're on camera. I certainly tried my hardest to be to be the best version of myself. But um, but I didn't wear clothes that I felt uncomfortable in, mm-hmm. you know. So I I definitely tried to put my best foot forward be the best version of me i still try that now of course as you get older you have to you work hard at that too but now i look at it as something for my health and you know to be honest every friend of mine i know really works at being healthy um and it's the only kind of way to go really you know if you're going to sit and eat mcdonald's every day you're not going to feel too fantastic about yourself so (laughs) so it's, it's the only way to go anyway and of course and we all have our nights out and our meals out so it's just finding the balance but you know I kind of try and keep things actually quite simple in my own head in relation to image and body and health, which is just where would you feel comfortable in? Be as healthy as you can for yourself, because that's going to make you feel better about yourself anyway. And I try and bring it back to how I feel about myself, because really that's all you've control over. You've no control over how anyone else sees you. If they like you, great. If they don't, that's fine too. Like you just have to.
0: Do you think you've come to that way of thinking more? more now in this time of your life. Yeah, and
1: just... you, com- in, in a funny way, even though I'm older, you know, your confidence definitely grows with age. Um, and in recent years, another thing actually that I think has hugely helped me as a person and as a singer is I've done a lot of self-development over the last, I suppose, five or six years. And in a way, I think we can make things very compl- complicated in our minds um, the more really I suppose I've done, I've done a lot of counselling and a lot of self-development and a lot of reading books and the bottom line of the whole thing is just that you have to work in the relationship with yourself and you know whatever happens after that really is out of your control so I suppose I've, from from all the counselling I've done in everything in life whether it's music or whether it's relationships all you can control is yourself you have to try and be happy in your relationship with yourself And with the music a couple of years ago, I was nervous about putting my songs back out there again. And part of me did go, God, am I crazy at this hour of my life now, you know, putting back out music. But then I just made it very simple in my own mind going, this is what you love to do. This is what gives you joy. So it's worth doing it, if for no other reason than the fact it gives you joy. And if people like it, then that's a bonus. And if they don't, that's fine too, because I enjoy doing it. At the time now, there was COVID, there was lockdowns. There wasn't a whole pile else to do anyway. And I started making little videos at home, putting myself up singing. The
2: timing was great, I'd say, with COVID. The the timing was great because, uh, you know, we were at
1: home and the only sort of reprieve from being at home was going out for a walk. And I started doing these little music videos. And again, I got a sense of a release and a focus from my mind with all the negativity that was going on in the news and everything. It was a, a, a lovely distraction. And then I was starting to talk to people online and then... DJ started reaching out saying well we'd love to hear more of your work and then I thought well that's nice that's given me a little bit of an incentive to maybe go and record some new material and then I remember there was um there was a a guy in the music industry who'd you know he would be quite bubbly I suppose and forthcoming and he said well would you you like to do a duet with me and he was quite encouraging um he was a bit crazy too but he's very (laughs) encouraging And, and we did a duet together and that went really well and got a lot of um radio play and um, and then I started working with Johnny Brady, who was a mentor for years in Tira. He's a fabulous singer. And I it, it took quite a bit out of me now to pluck up the courage to ask him to write with me, even though he'd offered it. You know, he'd said, send me your ideas. And um, there is that, as a person, I probably do have a, li- there's a little bit of a lack of confidence in some ways, but I, try- I tried just to take baby steps. So my first baby step was, plucking up the courage to ask him to do some co-writing and I, and I sent him some ideas and then we wrote a really nice song together like very quickly then we wrote two more lovely songs together very quickly and then my next step was I'm, I'm going to ask him to sing on the song with me and again fully psyched myself up for a no that you know that won't suit my audience or whatever and sort of gave him his get out of jail clause saying if you don't want to do it now no problem at all I'm delighted just to do co-writing with you but if you do you know, I really admired him as a singer. He's a fantastic singer. Beautiful kind of husky voice. And um, I was thrilled then when he said yes. Because mm-hmm. I thought, I just, there was just that little tiny part of me going, if he said yes, wouldn't you be delighted? And sure, if he says no. Look, I tried to psych myself to go, sure, what about it? You know. So I was just trying to cattle prod myself along. Little step by little step. And then us putting out that single and it went to number one. I was thrilled. Yeah, this country song. girl. We wrote it together and did a video together. And, you know, like, I probably don't give myself credit for the amount of experience I do have under my belt. Because, I mean, you know, I'd been on Glortier for 17, 18 years judging that. And I do have a degree in Masters in Music. And I had trained for, like, 15 years with singing. But there's just still that part of you. What I've discovered from talking to other singers and songwriters is that they all suffer from lack of confidence, actually. Nearly all of them.
0: What I was going to say... Um, it's a
1: bit of an epiphany, you know, yeah. with that.
0: You mentioned Nancy Griffith earlier, who was an influence yeah. earlier in your life. You sang a few of her songs, and they said of her that she, she was a, like a force of nature, but a delicate, worried soul at the same yeah. time. I wonder if you can relate to that. That Completely, people yeah, might see yeah. on the outside, you're te- you do all these yeah things, yeah. but underneath... Yeah, deep down,
1: deep down, that, that I suppose most people have some little bit of insecurity and you know I suppose if you have a goal you you just have to try and cattle prod yourself along um and it is hard you know as I said it it felt to me when I was texting Johnny about co-writing first and then texting about singing felt like asking someone out on a date which is something I've never done like I feel I wouldn't have the confidence to do that either but I I made myself because I just said what have you to lose nothing what's the worst that can happen you know and and I'd be very bad like that even when someone offers to do work with me I'd still be reluctant to contact them it's ridiculous like but with the counseling again that probably helped build back up your sense of confidence and self-esteem and people would think I was very confident because you're on TV and because you stand up and can talk to people in front of crowds and sing in front of crowds but there's always I've discovered from talking to other singers which is a comfort that most of them have that bit of insecurity and maybe just people have that bit of insecurity most people um, unless you're Donald Trump and have an ego mm. <laughs> the size of a house but you know most people have that little bit of insecurity and it's just trying to push past it and the more I spoke actually to, to even to Johnny and Charlie McGettigan I wrote some songs with him the first thing they'd all say when they'd send me an idea is don't worry if you don't like it but there might be something in it so i of got to know from again getting back connecting with lots of other musicians that everyone has that little bit of insecurity no matter what they've achieved no matter how much they've done um, and then I remember my husband telling telling me a story about Kevin Costner giving you know a speech at a memorial for Whitney Houston and how nervous and unconfident she was going for that part in the bodyguard and he really wanted her to take the part and she was worried that she wasn't suitable and x y and z way and that her audition didn't go well you know with her makeup slid off her face and she had to get it redone and and I thought well god if Whitney Houston was suffering from insecurity the best singer in the world you know then it, it shows me it's a pretty natural thing for all of us to feel so I just sort of from observing talking to different people and hearing these stories realize that everyone suffers from it and your job really is if you love doing something try and push past it now i still have to keep working on that
0: but isn't it great that you took those baby steps? Because what yeah. a great single. As you said, it went to number one, I think, it on is, the Irish country music charts.
1: Yeah, I
0: had it, I mean, on a loop in the kitchen this week preparing for today. Yeah. I think my husband kept worrying that I was going to try and get him to slow dance. It's <laughs> such a se- sexy kind of romantic <laughs> I love, song. I love that song. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny is good as well. Oh, Evil he's super. Yeah, are yeah. are good together on it, Yeah. I
1: think yeah
0: what
2: advice would you give to mothers who are going back to careers say after having children like I mean that's
1: a again I just think all those little steps add up like I say in this instance my first baby step was putting up a video on Facebook and that doesn't seem like a big thing that was a big thing to me at the time particularly because I am a judge in a show that little negative voice in the head said oh if people don't think it's good now they're going to say what the hell is she doing judging other people in the show And look at the state Mm -hmm. of her video (laughs) and that was the negative voice and then I just had to tell that voice be quiet and go back to this gives you joy just do it and just put it up and that seems like a small thing considering the amount people put up on their Instagram and Facebook these days but it wasn't a small thing to me at the time so I think you know all the baby steps add up and before you know it like you know one little step and if you get positive feedback from it leads on to the next step so probably the advice I'd give people is is try and quieten the negative voice in your head because there will be nobody as harsh in you as that voice in your own head telling you at the time as I said the voice in my head was what are you doing this now people will ask your age and they'll say what in the name of god are you doing this for at your age age has been no barrier to me at all no one asked that question
2: it's very refreshing
1: to yeah you, I think I might have done you know 25 interviews maybe one person asked how old were you and when I made a joke about it, they said, Oh, you're only a baby because maybe they were seven or eight years older than me, you know. That's like, really,
0: refra- really yeah, It wasn't a barrier. Actually.
1: It wasn't a barrier. And I thought with music now that it might be, it it was not. so the only person putting up that barrier was myself. And very often I have found anyway that the perceived barriers in your own mind, the only one putting them in your way is yourself. And if 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 you keep your intention pure with what you're doing, if you're motivated from a place of you know, for me, I wanted I suppose, to do something that brings myself joy, and if it brings other people joy, I'm delighted. I don't expect everyone to like it. If they don't, that's fine. But if enough people like it, and you know that there's an audience for you, because I suppose being a musician, it's grand pleasing yourself, but you do have to have an audience to buy your song and to make a chart and to come to your gigs. Um, you know, if you get enough positive feedback, it spurs you along to your next step. But There is an element of life where I think you need to say to yourself that you're going to do something because it brings yourself joy because you you can't really control the rest of it either. Obviously, to sustain yourself as a musician, people need to like it enough to buy it and come to your gigs. There is that aspect. But if something brings you joy, just do it and try and quieten down the negative voice in your own head. That can be challenging.
0: What about, obviously, you know, making money has changed in the music industry since you started out and obviously with all the streaming platforms it's it's even more challenging really Mm. to yeah to making money
1: is notoriously difficult in music and i suppose most people would have made money through gigs because you know your cd now is only really a pr tool to send to radio stations like people don't buy cds anymore and you know, you're lucky if they'll spend a euro to buy the single from iTunes. So it is very, very hard. And with streaming, artists get hardly anything at all when things are played on Spotify. Again, it's just PR and just widening your audience. So I suppose where people, you know, made money pre-COVID was gigs and selling merchandise. Um, and I know from talking to a lot of people, it's very hard for up-and-coming artists at the moment because by the time they'll pay for a venue and sound and a band to make to turn a profit... Even established artists are finding that really difficult at the moment. So what I've done myself is I've I've actually tried to work on getting TV work off the back of the profile I've built from the music. And I was doing a music show, say for Spotlight TV, during the summer, where I was singing on it, and then I had different guests that sang and you know and that I interviewed, and I was showing music videos. I really enjoy doing it. So to be honest with you, I, I suppose for me, what I the avenue I've kind of I've I've other income streams from teaching and from having written. Irish textbooks I've written eight Irish textbooks I had to write the textbooks to give myself a passive income that I'm not chained to the monthly wage if you know what I mean that's why I've kind of had the luxury in a way of teaching part-time the last two years and having the time to give my own music because like any business it takes a couple of years to build it up again
0: well, I wonder if that's, I, no, luxury, I think you've worked, you've worked so hard to be able to have that time. I mean, it's... The only
1: reason I have had that time is because I wrote textbooks yeah, on top of my teaching that's job. What I mean, I mean, so, it's, you've, you've yeah. juggled
0: an awful lot Yeah, it, the,
1: the 30s kind of flew by because, you know, like everybody, we had to buy a house and have our children and, you know, I wanted to have children. I suppose I made that decision. Some musicians decide not to have children and just, you know, so that they don't have to worry about subsidising that end of it. But I, I wanted children. Um... And it might have been a few years ago where I would have thought, you know, I, I won't get a shot at the music again. But again, that was just a negative voice in my head. Like, that's that hasn't been the case. And things have gone really well the last couple of years, thanks be to God. So for me at the moment, I suppose, getting back to your question, money-wise, um, I'd like to get it to a position where I could, you know turn a profit from doing gigs and selling merchandise but the the revenue i'm going down at the moment to do that is tv work because the tv will raise your profile and make people you know it's all about people knowing you there's an american station looking at taking on our music show at the moment um well they've said verbally that they definitely will we just have to sign the contracts and things but that would open up a massive new audience Mm -hmm. to me um, and it's some
2: exciting I, times ahead isn't it for
1: you please God now like I say until, until I signed the contract you know I, I probably wouldn't feel fully comfortable announcing it but it's looking they've said verbally that that's what's happening so that would open up a big big audience and again then I can go on and shamelessly flog my next single there But <laughs> um, what, what,
0: if you were to say look ahead in five years yeah. what do you think how would you like your career to look to feel see, what, content I suppose what I love
1: about that show is I sing on it so it's, it's a release for me music music performance wise and what i also love about it is i'm interviewing and talking to other music artists and i could imagine that a a lot more duets might come out of that and collaborations or even singing with those people on the show so what we're looking at in the moment is licensing that to different countries you know hopefully that will work out there's a lot up in the air at the moment we're talking to irish stations and stations in south africa and the american crowd have committed to it so that's what i'm pursuing at the moment and you know I suppose what I like about CTV work is that you get paid yeah. <laughs> I do I'm comfortable being on screen but that you're you, you a guarantee you know if you can be if you know that you're getting a certain amount of money from the different stations you know I mean I love the work but for anything to be sustainable at the age I'm at with two children and with my other work you know you have to get paid yeah. so you know, I I know you'll get paid and yet you're on singing and you're listening to music videos and you're talking to other artists. So I think that's the goal for me at the moment. My other goal is to continue releasing singles. And then I suppose what what I'd love long term, um, as my children get bigger, is to put on a couple of gigs and and pack them out and sell merchandise at the same time I have to be realistic with myself too because I am a mother of two children they wouldn't be happy if I was gone the whole time if I was asked to head off to America for the next three months in the morning I'm not going to do that because my children wouldn't be happy so your version of success changes you know with your stage of life as well in my 20s I might have been ecstatic to head off to the states for a couple of months uh you know now that wouldn't suit my life and it wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't see it as being successful if my son and daughter were crying down the phone that I've abandoned them. Like, so, you know, I have to be realistic as well myself with how much I can do or even want to do. What what I want to do is release more music, put out more songs, have a heap of songs written, have people enjoy them, do some nice TV gigs, guest in other people's TV shows as well. I did Opera Daniel and that'll be out the 29th of November. Um, on TG Carr and you know do those kinds of nice gigs and nice shows and put on some nice gigs myself in so far as I can with family life yeah. and with the other things I'm juggling you know and that's I, that's as good as it gets if my kids are happy and healthy and I'm able to do a fair bit of what I love I'm happy with that you know
0: and if you could collaborate with anyone in in the world any star that mm. or anyone that you'd like to work with
1: yeah, Dermot Kennedy um, I really admire because he's a very emotional type of a singer Glenn Hansard's a fabulous singer a friend of mine plays drums with him I haven't gone after uh, collaborating with them so maybe if they're listening they can baby steps remember baby steps <laughs> so yeah I, I'll man- to manifest away there's a beautiful um, I'm obsessed at the moment with this new song from a Cork singer-songwriter de DeCroix called All For Me he duetted with Ella Henderson I've just become aware of him recently and god he's an amazing um, songwriter and singer I think he's pretty new in the scene but I've my kids had to tolerate listening to that song about 20 times before breakfast yesterday and I'm still playing it. <laughs> so just, I get very excited when I hear other good singers too, you know. There's been past even contestants in Gloratira. There was a girl, Chantal Patton, who was an incredible female singer and I did a duet with her. And I just, get, I just get excited when I hear an amazing voice or an amazing songwriter. So in a way, there's part of me where I don't really care how successful they are. It's just if I'm excited by them mm. with their singing. And with, again, with the songwriting, I think that comes through. And again, I think just think if you come from a genuine place, more often than not, you'll get a good result. Um, I did a duet with Chantelle and this thing called the Ivory Sessions on YouTube. And and that got a great reaction, you know, because she's a fabulous singer, you know, so I knew that was going to go well. And I think as long as you follow your heart with music, it's it's different to other industries. I think you just have to kind of follow your gut and come from a genuine place and just hope for the best after Mm -hmm. that. You cannot control the outcome no more than you can control you know interpersonal relationships it just doesn't work like that you know
0: and just on the songwriting i do find fascinating with the kind of some of the country pop that you've done that you kind of combine some real catchy kind of um lyrics and melodies but then when you you listen to the words they can be really raw and heartbreaking it's that kind of that that contrast Mm -hmm. and uh, such an art to that i I suppose
1: that's what i've spent 20 years working on you know and i'm still working on it Um, I suppose I I study other people other people's work a lot and I suppose I I have I suppose I've been writing 25 years now really so with age I think I get better at that and then with the counselling I've done I think I've got better at tapping into raw emotion myself because I would say now looking back 10-15 years ago I wasn't fully connected to myself you know and I think a lot of people aren't until they go off and do work on themselves and really study themselves and their lives and I've learnt an awful lot from that, and a lot of it with music again is connecting to a raw place mm-hmm. inside yourself, and also being willing to be vulnerable. I don't think I was maybe comfortable being a hundred percent vulnerable twenty years ago, um, whereas now, to make a good song, I am. I mm-hmm. mightn't be, co- I mightn't be comfortable talking about it, but I'm comfortable releasing it as I sing, you know, or in the lyrics. Because again, I've kind of realised when I look at great artists. That that's what they do, and you know you're you're at nothing really if you're not going to kind of open up. You know the, the reason people connect with songs is if they hear the emotion in it. Yeah. So.
0: Which is probably like with is it Don't Say Goodbye that yeah a big reaction. I mean yeah I there's a line, um oh, I've got it here. I want to fall to pieces. Yeah. Begging not to leave yet. Think, yeah. Wow, that's yeah.
1: And do you know what I was amazed line. at with that song is an awful lot of men actually came up to me uh, saying how much they liked that song, which you know. I don't know, have I, you know, an unfair perception in my own mind, that really surprised me that they've related to the emotion of it. I was actually very touched by that. Yeah, it's nice. I was actually really touched by it and very surprised. Um, you know, I think there's a soft side to them, because I suppose a lot of my friends are female, you know, and I don't have brothers. We're
0: not giving um, the men enough credit. <laughs> yeah, honest to
1: God, yeah. And I That's was allowed. Really this,
0: sur- is a, really this is a women's focused podcast. <laughs> I was, yeah,
1: I was really surprised. Yeah, you know, I was really touched by it and really su- pleasantly surprised. Um, it, it kind of, it's just something that, that stood out to me because I, I probably expected women to relate and I suppose I have so many, you know, conversations obviously with female friends that I know how they think. So it surprised me the reaction it got from from men and a lot of people actually kind of nearly opened up to me, you know, online people and things like that with their stories. They started coming, you know, coming forward telling me their stories off the back of that song. It's, it's a funny.
0: powerful song about a breakup though, isn't yeah, it? It's very... Yeah. Yeah. Big big yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. My husband hates it. <laughs> he co wrote it with me, but he said, Turn off that song, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> uh but it's funny, yeah. And I said, Look, it's only a-. i kind of downplayed but it's only a song, would you stop? You know, we wrote it together, it went to number one. And just you stop giving out about it? And going, Turn it off <laughs> But look, you know, I just laugh at that. Um but yeah, a lot of people connected to it and again I suppose when I listen to the artists I love, like your Dermot Kennedys and people like that, and even that new song, Keane it's, it's they're not afraid just to be mm. vulnerable and just to be... Because that's what music is about. It's a... You know, I'm not going to go into my workplace like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh Traumatising everyone. You know, we all keep the bright side out in most of our other lines of work. But when it comes to music, again, it's a place where it's appropriate to do that. And that's why I love it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's appropriate to... It's about being emotional and it's about life experience and the human experience. And that's why I love it so much because it just breaks down all those barriers that fall away where the, you, there's no way in the world you'd dream of presenting yourself like that in any other line of work really. Um, so that's why I love it. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I was just gonna say on this this country girl, which again, we, we've mentioned and just on the, the, I think the first verse where it's big, big city and a lot to learn, small town, a country girl, like a Lillian, just as pure always knew that she wanted more and mm. I just wondered how much do you relate to that last line I mean have you known that since you were young you w- always wanted more for yourself yeah happy I mean traditions? that's why I went
1: to Dublin and that's why I suppose I went to Dublin I had no friends there at all all my friends went to Cork it would have been a lot more comfortable for me to go off to Cork at the time um all my best friends were going there so but I knew, I suppose, at, the, at that time, I felt, you know, the scenes have changed now. There's a great music scene in Cork nowadays, but back then, I suppose, I felt that, to, you say, to get to the singing teacher I wanted to get and to be um, around the musicians I wanted to be around at the time, I felt whatever chance I had, I had the best chance in Dublin. So if that meant going off, being in your own and starting from scratch, that's what I needed to do. Um, so yeah, I, I did, certainly at 17, I was pretty hungry. For it, like you know, and I and I did want more. I suppose I'm the kind of person where I would get probably bored easily if I'm being honest. So, and then I I I, I sort of would get cranky, touchy if I if I don't have a project, if I don't have something I'm passionate about. I kind of know that about myself, you know.
0: That's it's why you two are good friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's good, to good to be in tune with yourself. Yeah. I
1: think. Yeah, it's funny because even my sisters would laugh, going sometimes even in the past when I might have been on holidays for a few weeks. They'd say to me, you know, I'd be grand like for a week and I'd really enjoy it. And then I if I didn't have a project coming up on the horizon, I'd start to get a bit tetchy. And, I, and I'm and i still the same way. And that's just it the have be always been. a personality been, type. I'm yeah. exactly the same. That's why I can really relate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I feel like you're not kind of progressing forward in something that you're excited about, I'd get a bit disenchanted, you know, and a bit uncomfortable. I suppose then you need that discomfort to push yourself forward again to find something you're excited about and t- to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. So um, discomfort can be there for a reason because I suppose if you were comfortable, you mightn't bother your hat, you know, pushing yourself forward to do the next thing. So um, and then there's a little bit of luck too. That's what comes your way. Like the the TV show over the summer came from that last single. Um, you know, there was a guy working on Spotlight who he, he came to know me because of me promoting that single and and asked me then to present that music show. And, you know, he's become some, someone who drives me forward now as well. You know, interviewing, we've interviewed high-profile people and things, and he, he helped me with his connections. So one step always leads to another, and, and that's the lovely thing about it. And you never know what's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, as I say, music can be up and down. It can be when it's going good, it's going great. You know, like when you're in love, when it's going good, it's going great. When it's bad, it's horrid. It's a bit of that. You could be penniless, or it can go great. You just don't know. But I suppose now I'm lucky because in, 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 I'm in a position that I have done other work over the years. And I, I knew from my experience in my 20s that what I needed to do was try and get a little bit of a nest egg. As I said, that I wasn't sort of chained to the monthly wage. And I knew I'd have to write a lot of books to achieve that. So that did take a number of years and that was a hard slog. Um, and it's great the books did well, but it was hard at the time. But then for the last number of years, it's been lovely because the royalties come in and it's freed me up to be able to pursue my music. So, uh it took time, it took time to get to that place in your life and then when your children are babies, you know, there's only so much you can do as well. But now I'm in a really nice place. My children are at a lovely age, they're 5 and 9. Um I'm not going to abandon abandon them and head off touring the world, but I it does mean that I have some time to put out songs, to record songs, to do a bit of TV work. You know, so it's 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 I feel I'm in a good place. And um and The advice I'd give anyone else is just try and put the barriers out of your head. There'll be no one else as critical on you as yourself. And I I think self-development work is very important, to be honest. A bit of, whether it's meditation or reading self-development books or counselling. To be aware of yourself and to be aware of what you can and can't control. You know, and to be aware of how you hold yourself back subconsciously as well and try and push past it. I still have to work on that myself. Mm -hmm. It's not a... A done deal, like you know, you don't sort of reach a place and go, "I'm fantastic." Now you have to constantly work at it all the time, and just to try and be the best version of yourself. I think in any job, yeah, you're, if you're going for interview, if you work on being the best version of yourself, it boosts your confidence. You know, so to whether that means working on your health or getting a bit of exercise to feel the endorphins, or do you know we all fall on on and off the wagon with that. I'm certainly no angel, like, but just to try and be the best version of yourself whatever is important to you whether that's doing a course or going back to college or you know doing a job you love or
2: having hobbies having
1: hobbies yeah or you know doing your exercise or whatever like whatever gives you a buzz really um but I think it's important you have to keep we all have to keep working on ourselves and doing the things that make us feel good being around the people that make us feel good as well is important I think
0: well I think that's a a fabulous note to finish on I think anyone listening that's Feeling like they're wanting more and dreaming of more, I think you've given them a, a, a great lot of advice there and inspiration. Um, but I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to let you go yet because I did—I <laughs> did wonder if you might just um, give us a little song to finish on, just a little taster um, of your of your singing and music. If that's not putting you <laughs> on the spot
1: too much. I'll
0: give you a little blast
1: of Natural Woman, Aretha Franklin. <gasps> oh wow! <gasps>
0: oh wow! Gosh, it's ready for the windows <laughs> to break. Woo-hoo!
2: Looking out on the pouring rain mm, I used to feel so uninspired who and when i knew i had to face another day oh, it made me feel so tired until the day I met you, life was so unkind, but you're the key to my peace of mind. Cause you make me feel, you make me feel, you make. I feel like a natural woman, oh woman, oh, when my soul was in the lost and found, mm, you came along to claim me ooh, I didn't know what what was wrong with me, Ah, till your kiss Help me name it Ooh, Now I'm no longer doubtful Of what I'm looking for Cause if I make you happy I don't need to do more Cause you Here, me. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was what a treat Katrina.
0: wow gosh what a treat to be able to do that on the spot what a voice. Uh, <laughs> Wow, we all feel like a natural woman now gosh woo. well thanks i mean um gosh i think the listeners will be wanting to find you and, and look out for you tell us where where can where can listeners find your music and follow uh, well, you? I'm on Instagram
1: um, at Sullivan Katrina and I'm on Facebook under Katrina Sullivan, C-A-I-T-R-I-O-N-A because there's so many spellings of Katrina. Oh,
2: you know, I don't and I'm on
1: YouTube as well um, under Katrina Sullivan, C-A-I-T-R-I-O-N-A. Um, this Country Girl is up there with Johnny Brady. I'm on Spotify as well. Um, the, this Country Girl is under Johnny Brady's account on Spotify. And then Don't Say Goodbye is under my own name um and apparently we're big in china with summer wine <laughs> <1. laughs> 1.8 million views over cool. there so we might do the old chinese tour yeah. soon you know it's <laughs> so on tiktok i have no idea now that was desi the guy i did the duet with i don't know how that happened but uh, apparently so <laughs> so yeah that's
0: first, the funny best, thing about Best po- stop of the, t- the next exactly the world yeah. Tour. <laughs> exactly yeah that's it <laughs> oh thanks so much Katrina. you're very thank welcome you. thank you you're that very was welcome. that was absolutely super thank you